like that. My favorite music is quartet music. That quartet had seven in it. I like it. I like it. That's good. Now, you can't beat that song because there is no victory outside of victory in Jesus. Thank you, men, for preparing and singing it tonight. Open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I want you to mark your Bibles there because we're going to look at other verses and then we're going to come back and forth between 1 Thessalonians 1 and uh, other verses. And what I uh, am going to preach tonight could be a series of lessons. That's not the most encouraging way to introduce a sermon. That doesn't mean I'm going to preach a series tonight. Uh, but what I am going to preach could be a series of lessons and you'll understand that as I go through. Uh, the message tonight. The title of the message tonight is The Perfect Church, The Perfect Church. And uh, I'm going to preach from this passage of Scripture and uh, give us a uh, message tonight I believe will help us not only uh, in regards to our church but in regards to our life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pause to pray in hunger for the power of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for the Word of God. May it be our guide, may it be our guard, may it be our instruction, may it be our correction uh, this evening. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to learn from, to glean from the Word of God tonight. Thank you for the wonderful spirit of the day. Thank you for the work that has been accomplished. Thank you for those that have been saved because of faithful soul winners during the week and in this day. Thank you, Lord, for every gospel tract that was given in heaven uh, only will reveal uh, the fruit of the work that's been done in this week. Thank you for the privilege to be a part of such a church. Bless the message tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. It was on Paul's second missionary journey that he went through the city of Thessalonica. And uh, Paul, according to Acts chapter, I believe it's 17, he taught there three Sabbath days. Now Paul's teaching uh, and his preaching was always founded on the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The whole world needs to know Jesus was crucified. He died, he was buried, he rose again for our justification, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. As a result of his preaching and the contradiction to the Judaizers of that day, they sought to kill the Apostle Paul. So he had to flee for his life. He went south down to the area of Corinth. And after three Sabbath days, three weeks in Thessalonica, he went down there to keep from being killed. Paul would later write two letters from Corinth back to this young church in Thessalonica to thank them and to encourage them. Uh, Timothy uh, would deliver these letters to these Christians. These two letters, 1st uh, and 2nd Thessalonians, are two of the most mature. Uh, they're the two, if, you, if I could use the word, deepest or complicated letters to be written to any church of that era and time. Paul would deal with not only their current situation of difficulty, but he would write to them about things to come and he would further uh, teach them of Bible prophecy and what would happen 
in the coming days, the coming years, and the coming generations. He would also explain to them what happened to their loved ones. Many of them were being persecuted for the cause of Christ. Some had been martyred for the cause of Christ. And he tells them, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. He said, you have sorrow, but your sorrow is temporary. And I'm glad tonight that our sorrow is temporary. We'll see our loved ones again. Somebody say amen. We'll see our loved ones again. Our sorrow, though it's real, it's temporary. We need not envy the world. Our hearts ought to be broken for the world whose sorrow never ends outside of coming to know Christ as their personal Savior. When you read these two letters, you'll find that Paul does not correct the church at Thessalonica about anything. He does not scold them. He does not set anything in order. If there is such a thing as a perfect church, Thessalonica would have come as close to that as any church. And you've heard it said there are no perfect churches. And if there were, we would finish that if we joined it. And, uh, but there are no perfect churches. And so uh, Thessalonica is a model church. And in this first chapter, Paul gives at least 10 things that I believe to be ingredients to the recipe of being a church that pleases the Lord Jesus. Now, I want to please the Lord. I'm not interested in impressing man because that is only temporary and it's empty, it's vain. But I want to stand before him and hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now, I believe that when we desire to be the best of something or of some kind of a church, that we lose out on being all that a church can be. Now that statement is true not only for our church, but it's true in our lives, it's true in our homes, it's true in every area of life. Uh, for example, man's standards of greatness of churches has changed through the years. Uh, men give standards and they become the best church of their generation because of this particular thing. It's obvious reading uh, uh, Revelation chapter 2 and 3 that churches were not what they thought of themselves to be. And when they heard from the Lord, he corrected and changed a lot of things. I don't know about you, I would like for the Lord to write me a letter and say, I want you to change this. I want you to change that. I honestly, with all my heart, I desire to be what God would have us to be. There was a time in America that a church was recognized as a great or the greatest church because of the level of education of the pastor they had. I'm glad that's changed. Uh, but anyway, uh, they, they would brag about where their pastor went to church and how educated he was. I have seen the day where churches are gauged as a great or greatest church by the number of missionaries they supported. Uh, I saw a day in our nation where uh, the greatest churches were the churches that ran the most number of buses. And uh, that church, that's the greatest church. They run the greatest number of buses. 
I've seen the day where churches were graded by men uh, as the greatest because they baptized the most converts or uh, that church had more ministries than any other church. Now hear what I'm about to say. When someone attempts to be the best at one thing, they usually are to the failure of many others. Now, now listen to me tonight. You, want, you don't want to be the, try to be the best wife in all the world. You just want to be what God wants you to be as a wife. You don't want to try to be the best husband in all the world. Uh, you want to be a good husband and be a good Christian and be a good servant and be a good worker. You want to be everything God wants you to be. And I've learned that when I attempt to do everything God has me to do, I'm not the best at anything, but I can accomplish the will of God. I was told 30 years ago, you'll have to choose between having a close family and a Christian family and building a church. And I said, I don't read that in the Bible anywhere. I don't read that choice in the Bible according to the Word of God. I'm supposed to be a husband. I'm supposed to be a father and lead my children to do right while at the same time fulfilling my calling as the pastor of a church. Now, there's a lot of things I haven't taken time to do, and I don't regret that, but I have taken time to spend time with my children, to spend time in trying to be a father to them and a Christian example, and at the same time doing what God's called me to do as a church. Hear me well tonight. We don't want to be the best in man's sight at anything. We just want to be pleasing to the Lord. And so as I read through this letter, this first letter of 1 Thessalonians, I find here are some ingredients to a successful recipe. And uh, I want as many of these things or, as, or, or all of these things that we can have in our lives. And as I go through these 10 things tonight, I want you to look at your life and say, is that a part of my life? Is that a part of our marriage? Is that a part of our family? Do I have that ingredient? Uh, you see, uh, when you make a cake, if two cups of sugar is what's needed to make a good cake, three cups of sugar won't make it better. In fact, it may ruin the cake. Anybody home tonight? You, 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 don't, you don't say, wow, uh, this is really good. I'll put a half a gallon of vanilla extract in there. I don't know if you can overdo it on peanut butter. I've never done that before, but we follow the instruction. We want every ingredient in our life. Now, the truth is we always tend to do the things that we enjoy doing. I remember in taking piano lessons, I memorized a song, and when it came time to practice piano, I'd just play that song I'd memorized all the time. And my mom would look at my book, and she'd say, Now, are you playing this one? Uh, no, I can't play that one. It's no wonder you're not practicing it. You keep playing the one you know. You need to practice this. Boy, did I ever have a mean piano teacher. I had a piano. My mom wasn't my piano teacher. She was mean, but she wasn't my piano teacher. My piano teacher had one of those pencils, a jumbo pencil. Not a little one. It had a jumbo pencil. And, and, and she would actually whack my fingers when I missed a note. She would. She'd whack my fingers. Mrs. Kelly was her name. I think she's in heaven. I think she is. And, uh, but, but anyway. Uh, hey, folks, we can't do what we want to do in the Christian life. We need to do everything we're supposed to do. So let me give you these 10 things tonight. First of all, 
they were a church that were stable because of their foundation. Look at verse number one. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. They had the right foundation, and their foundation was Jesus Christ. It wasn't church that was built on a man. You've heard me say this before. When someone asks you about a so-called doctrine, and that doctrine is named after a man rather than a Bible truth, uh, you need to say, just ask me a Bible question. I'm not interested in a church that's built on uh, this name or that name or the other name. I'm interested in a life, a family, a marriage, a church that's built on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The promise of perpetuity is given to the church that's built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Throughout the scripture, we find that Jesus is the foundation. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. If we don't start right, we're not going to finish right. As we've been working on this building out here, the most difficult part was pouring that first million dollars into the ground and having a bigger mud hole every week. But it was important to have the right kind of foundation. It was important for, you know, when we uh, were getting the site work ready out here and some places the dirt had to be removed eight feet, some places the dirt had to be built up eight feet. And they had to compact that dirt every single foot. We had to have what's called special inspections, a company by the name of CSI. They had a fellow that would just sit there and he would uh, watch them work and then ever so often he would measure the ground to make sure the compaction was right. That was before the concrete ever started. That was before the foundations were ever poured. And I want to tell you tonight, I told you this could be a series, your life better be built on the person of Christ. You better be able to point back in your life, in your marriage, in your home, Uh, point your children to Jesus it's not because of I said it it's because of God said it and Jesus said it in the word of God some 25 years ago I heard of a fellow planted a church and he said I'm going to show the nation how to build a, a big church and a fast growing church and he built it on promotions and advertisements and sure enough the first week he had about 300 people the next week he had four or 500 people and six months later that's all she wrote because they hit a difficulty they hit a problem churches not are not built on promotions i love promotions but it's not built on promotions it's built on christ not built on advertisement not built on personality the church is built on the right foundation it's to be built on christ second of all paul then talks about prayer supplication in verse number two we give thanks to god always for you all making mention of you in our prayers now you'll find when you read these two letters that paul prayed for them and they were a prayer 
praying church. Uh, he wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, uh, pray without ceasing, uh, without ceasing. And these were people of prayer. Write it down. Your life must be built not only on the person of Christ, but it must be built on faith in Christ. And our first expression of faith in Christ is prayer. If you're not asking God, you're not trusting God. If you're not praying, you're not living by faith. If you're not asking God, you're not living by faith. It was a church of supplication. You can't spend too much time in prayer. And I'm convinced today uh, that Christians are filling their life with things uh, there's nothing wrong with. Uh, but if it replaces prayer, it is wrong. Uh, and if there's no prayer in our life, there's failure in our life. I love uh, the uh, activity of prayer. And I love uh, the results of prayer. Prayer is an act of faith in God. Prayer connects heaven to earth. Prayer connects the answer to the problem. Prayer brings man into the presence of God. Prayer is to be the first, the lasting and final act in doing the will of God. A prayer of request, a prayer of praise, a prayer of thanking God for what he's done. Everything you've seen happen at Clays Mill Baptist Church, it's not the result of personality, it's a result of prayer. If you're not praying, you're on your way to failure in your Christian life. Number three, the third ingredient, we find they were steadfast. They were steadfast. Look at verse number three. The Bible says, remembering without ceasing your work of faith. Without ceasing your work of faith. And labor of love and patience. Now, patience meant that they had some difficulty, but they didn't quit. They slowly, patiently waited through the problem, kept going, they were steadfast. Take your Bibles and turn to James chapter 1. Just a few pages to the right, maybe 15 pages. Uh, James chapter 1, notice what the Bible says in verse number 12. They were steadfast, and the Bible says in James 1 and verse number 12, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. I'm gonna, I want to say tonight, if we're going to uh, be successful in our marriage and in uh, the rearing of our children, and, and, and America needs to get back to the principles it was founded upon. Working for a living. I saw a picture this week. It said socialism uh, for dummies. Everything is free. We're just out of everything. We need to get back to the principles. And, and, and you say, well, what do you do when they don't work? You keep doing them. Steadfast means I'm, I have faith in what God has said to do. Now, when Paul would write to the church at Corinth, he would tell them of the victory they had in Christ and then would challenge them to be steadfast and unmovable. He said, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If we have the victory, said, therefore, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. We look too much at the results and not enough at the work. I'm not in charge of the results. I'm in charge of the work. I've learned the more I work, the more results I have. But sometimes I work and I work hard and there are no results. And that causes me to look to God and say, why? And God said, I just want you to look this way. You keep on working and God does bless. And he's never behind in his blessings. One of the ingredients of a model church is a church that's steadfast. A Christian must remain steadfast in the faith. Remain steadfast 
steadfast in the word of God, remain steadfast in what's right. A family must do the right thing even in difficult times, even in times of a bad attitude, in, a, in times of a rebellious spirit. Keep doing what's right to do. Every day is not an enjoyable day, but every day ought to be steadfast in doing right. Number four, they were secure. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. Uh, turn your Bibles, if you will, back just a few pages to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Here's what the Bible says in Ephesians 1 and verse number 4. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasures of his will. Now some folks get hung up somehow. They put something in there that's not in there. But what he's saying here, I chose you for I didn't. The plan of salvation is not a response to sin. The plan of salvation was given for, before the foundation of the world. Now listen to me tonight. I'm, I'm telling you what the Bible says. And then we are chosen to become like Christ. Uh, we get this idea of predestination. Well, God, I'm sorry, God's chosen for you to go to hell. That's just not the truth tonight. That's not what the Bible says. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all. What does all mean? It means all. What does it mean in the Greek? It means all. What does it mean in the Hebrew? It means all. What does it mean in English? It means all. What does it mean in Spanish? It means all. What it means in French and German and, and Ukraine and every other nation, it, uh, a language, it means all tonight. But the election that he's talking about here, they were secure in the fact that they were to be becoming like Christ. Ephesians, uh, uh, Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to those who are called according to his purpose and whom he did foreknow. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. I know my direction. I know, what I'm, I know where I'm going. I want to be becoming more like Christ. By the way, nobody's there yet. That means we got room to grow. And we don't have time to look back. And we don't have time to be critical of those that may not be where we are. We need to be pressing on the upward way. They were a secure people. They knew that God had a will for their life and they were satisfied with the will of God. Even though it meant persecution, even though it meant trials, that persecution and those bonds of faith, it encouraged others to say, if the Christians in Thessalonica can be faithful in persecution, certainly we can be faithful in prosperity. They were satisfied. They were secure in the will of God. Let me give you the fifth thing. They were servants. Write it down. You want to be a happy Christian? Be a serving Christian. A serving Christian. Uh, look at verse number six. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. I'm looking for that word servant. It's in there in one of those verses uh, right there. But they were servants of Christ. Church wasn't an event to attend. If I can get your attention again, church wasn't an event to attend. It was an organization to be involved in. They weren't coming to observe. They were coming to participate. That's why I like church when we all sing. 
We all participate. I like it. I like it when we all serve. Everybody's supposed to be a soul winner this week, not just the preacher. Everybody's supposed to be a light and be salt, not just the preacher. Take your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23. I'm preaching as fast as I can. Matthew chapter 23. Uh, I'm on time. You're behind on amens. Matthew chapter 23. Notice, if you will, in verse number 11, the Bible says, But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. A good church is a church with a lot of servants. I'm thankful tonight that there's a lot of servants in our church. I don't have time to stop here and to recognize all the different people, but there's no way the ministries of our church and the work of our church. I talked to a good man that has been a blessing to our church this week, and he said, I'm amazed at all that you accomplish. And I said, I I don't accomplish that. We together as a church, hey, friend, this nation could see revival if churches would get involved in service. Get off of the seat of blessed assurance and get in the game. Get out out of the business of being critical of the church and be a part of serving in the church. Number six, sanctification through suffering. Back to 1 Thessalonians, verse number six in the second part, he says here, and became followers. I know what I did a while ago. I read Ephesians. And be followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word, here it is, in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. They had sanctification. You know what sanctification means? It means it's set apart for a specific service. That's what it means. It doesn't mean sinless perfection. Somebody wrote that down. That's not what's written in the Bible. Sanctification means set apart for a specific purpose. And you take a pitcher and you turn the water on the water faucet and you catch that half a gallon or gallon of water and you put it in the refrigerator to get cold to be drinking water. You've set it apart for a specific purpose. I'm glad when he saved me, he didn't just save me and leave me like I was. He made me a servant and he began to sanctify me or set me apart from the world, from myself, from my will to do his will and to be like him. I don't know about you, I choose sanctification and I don't want God to have to put me through suffering to bring me to the place of becoming more like Christ. That being said, not everyone's suffering is suffering because of judgment at all. I'm not saying that. But I don't want God to have to do that in my life. I want God to have my attention. I want the Word of God to have my attention. They they were sanctified. They separated themselves from the world. I care less what the women are wearing on the on on the uh, on the stage or whatever they call that on the runway. Doesn't matter what they wear. We're getting into summertime. We're supposed to be, we're not supposed to show our bodies to the world. Say, well, that's meddling. No, if we got down to exactly what the Bible says, you're not supposed to show your nakedness in your home. You're not supposed to show it in your home, let alone in public. That's where we're supposed to be decent. Sanctification through suffering. Then number seven, they took a stand. I like this. Verse number eight. Verse number eight. 
For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. Everybody knows where you stand. And not only do they know where you stand, you've sounded abroad the truth. Folks, if we don't stand for right, there will be no stand for right taken. I mean, our world right now is in a state of a reprobate mind that is, that I can't comprehend what's going on in our world. I, I, don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand why you have to pass laws to protect children from what the teachers want to teach them in school. I don't understand that. I don't, I don't understand having gay pride week at school. That's an abomination to God. I don't understand that. I, that, that's, that's immoral. That's as wicked as can be. This church took a stand for right. If we don't take a stand for right, nobody's going to take us. If the church doesn't take a stand for right, there's not. Don't, don't be embarrassed about me taking a stand for what the Bible says. I'm ashamed of that. We'll take a stand for the Bible. This old King James Bible here. I, I, I'm asked all the time. I was asked this week, which Bible do you use? I said, guess. They said King James Bible. And I said, you got it right first time. You want to take a stand for soul winning. Everybody ought to be a personal witness for Christ. You want to take a stand for standards of dress and decency and modesty and morality. Folks, like never before, we have an example. We have an opportunity to be an example for Christ in a world that's lost its mind they are looking for somebody to look to that has a peace and a joy and a gladness. If we've been saved from the world, why do we want to dress and talk and behave like the world? We don't want to do that. We want folks to know that we're a child of God. We don't take a stand for God being our creator. Take a stand for the family and the home and marriage and Christian education. These folks took a stand. Number eight, they were ascending church. The Bible says, your faith to Godward is spread abroad. The truth was sent out from Thessalonica. By the way, that's not to be the exception. That's to be the rule for every church. Every church ought to have some influence, not only here, not only in the next town, not only in the state, not only in the nation, every church ought to have some influence for the gospel around the world. They were a sending church. Everyone knew that they were not a light inside the church, but they were a shining light outside the local church. That's why we do all of the ministries that we do, uh, beginning in this work of personal example and personal witnessing and adding to that our television and radio and internet and planting new churches and young pastors are required for every generation to reach their generation with the gospel, sending missionaries to foreign countries, Christians into the workplace, being a, a layman, being an example of a child of God and an example of right Christians in our community. It doesn't matter if it's politics. We still ought to be Christians. And shame on you politicians that promote one of the leading causes of death in our state and our nation, and that's alcohol. Shame on you. 
Shame on you. There's no good business that, uh, that you sell your alcohol and show you and show. I've got to get back to the sermon. Let me kill this rabbit right over here, please. And uh, uh, showing you pictures of uh, this is, a, this is a, a model businessman. Let me show you and let's follow where that bottle goes. Let's follow what happens at the end of that bottle. Hey, this was a sending church, the influence. Number nine, they were a sincere church. Verse number nine, for they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. They didn't add God to their life. God became their life. Titus. Let me read it to you. Titus, just a few pages away. Titus chapter 2, verse number 7. In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works and doctrine. Are you a pattern of good works? Hey, boys, can the other fellows follow your pattern? Can they repeat the words you say? Young ladies, can the young girls dress the way you dress? Are you a pattern? That's what the Bible says we're supposed to be. A pattern of good works in doctrine, showing uncorruptness. Gravity, sincerity. These folks were sincere in their service. Last of all, they were seeking his return. Look at verse number 10. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Even Jesus which delivered us from wrath to come. You know one thing that puts all of life into perspective is to expect Christ to return tonight. It may affect what you watch on television when you go home. may affect our behavior as we go to work tomorrow. It may affect our life if we expected Christ to return. I want Him when He comes to find us laboring, find us loving Him, find us serving Him. This was a church that was seeking His return. Now, if there was a perfect church, Thessalonica was it. We know there's no perfect church because there's no perfect people, but it's a model church. You say, were they the best at anything? No, but they seemed to accomplish about everything God would want in a church. Different than any other church you'll find in the Bible. And right there, the ingredients. And I don't want to be the best at something. I just want to be what God wants me to be as a father, as a husband, as an individual Christian. And as a church. Stand with me, if you will. Model church, these ten things were ingredients found in their church. Heavenly Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you sometimes it brings encouragement and sometimes it brings correction. Sometimes it brings praise, sometimes it brings embarrassment. May we not behave as a fool and rebel against what the word of God says. May we behave as a wise man and say, teach me, correct me, show me. Help us that we may walk in paths of obedience. If you're here tonight and you don't know Christ as your Savior, oh, how you need to trust Him. The signs of the time are everywhere, not just in our nation, but in nations around the world. If you're watching me tonight and you've never received Christ as Savior, I would urge you right now to call on God. 
to forgive you of your sin and to trust Him by faith, His payment for your salvation. Here tonight, you're a Christian. You look at these things and you say, well, I do good in some of them, some areas I need to work on. Let's, let's decide tonight. Let's just make note of it and decide, I'm going to change that. I'm going to improve that. I'm going to work on that in my life. Lord, bless your invitation.